This is West Virginia Morning. I'm Teresa Wills. HIV AIDS is on the rise in Montegalia County as a group of WVU medical students recently learned on a Zoom call with Dr. Anthony Fauci. The fact that you have an increase probably reflects two things. It's the lack of PrEP accessibility for those who are susceptible and a lack of accessibility to treatment for those who are already infected. That story and more coming up this West Virginia Morning. Support for West Virginia Morning is proudly provided by Luke Frazier. More than half of the Department of Health and Human Resources workforce will be eligible for retirement by 2029. Emily Rice has more. Dr. Sherry Young, Interim Secretary of Health and Human Resources, informed the Legislative Oversight Commission on Health and Human Resources Accountability about the potential problem. She said while hiring initiatives have taken place and vacancies have been filled, more than 50% of the DHHR's workforce will be eligible for retirement by 2029. Imagine five years from now, 53% of those people retiring and going home. You're going to lose the institutional knowledge of the folks, our nurses that have been there for 40 years. You're going to lose that institutional knowledge of programs and how to make things work. Lawmakers asked Young to survey the workforce to find out who will retire when they're eligible and who will stay on past retirement age. For West Virginia Public Broadcasting, I'm Emily Rice in Charleston. Governor Jim Justice and several of his companies have sued a Virginia bank that's one of their biggest lenders. Curtis Tate has more. Justice and his wife and son are named as plaintiffs in the lawsuit against Carter Bank and Trust, filed Friday in the U.S. District Court for the Southern District of West Virginia. The justices seek damages of $1 billion from Carter. The suit alleges that the bank engaged in a predatory scheme to prevent Justice's companies from doing business with other banks. It also alleges that Carter made the loans to Justice impossible to repay and that the interest on those loans were the bank's biggest source of profit. The suit says the relationship between the Justice Companies and Carter fell apart after the 2017 death of the bank's founder, Worth Carter. By then, Justice had a portfolio of $740 million in loans with Carter to his coal, agriculture, and hospitality businesses, including the Greenbrier Resort. For West Virginia Public Broadcasting, I'm Curtis Tate in Charleston. The Public Service Commission will hold a public hearing later this month to determine the status of the City of Gary's sewer system. Caroline McGregor reports. The public comment period will be immediately followed by an evidentiary hearing to establish whether Gary's sewer system is a distressed or failing utility. An administrative law judge will preside over the hearing. He will hear evidence to determine if the City of Welch, McDowell County Public Service District, Veolia and West Virginia American Water Company would be capable of taking over the system. In 2020, Governor Justice ordered the West Virginia National Guard and West Virginia Emergency Management Division to step in after a broken water pump left the entire town without water. The hearing is November 30th at 11 a.m. and will be held at the McDowell Public Library in Welch. For West Virginia Public Broadcasting, I'm Caroline McGregor. Soul food is associated with black communities in the South, but it's also traditional to Appalachia. Folkways fellow Vanessa Pena talked with Xavier Oglesby, master artist in soul food cooking from Beckley, West Virginia. When peace and light 
a river attendeth my way. It's a warm spring afternoon at Manor House Ministries, a Second Baptist Church in Beckley, West Virginia. Xavier Oglesby is singing his favorite hymn, It Is Well With My Soul, as he prepares a macaroni salad in the church's kitchen. Today, Xavier is cooking alone, but normally this kitchen would be bustling with life. It kind of reminds you of when you watch a bee's nest and how the bees are they're, they're buzzing around and everybody's just so busy doing that's just kind of what it looks like but they it's all it's chaotic but it's a it's an organized chaos the ladies at the church growing up you know you, the old ladies they'd be cooking and all the ladies they they would bring their best recipes every one of them is good at something at least one thing and they they pride themselves at that it might be macaroni salad or a pan of biscuits or chitlins Soul food is a cooking style that is intrinsic to Black culture, both in the South and Appalachia. Xavier says more so than the food itself, it's the way a meal comes together that makes soul food, soul food. When you think of soul food, that's the first thing you think is Black folks, because we were able to take nothing and make something out of it for a meal. And that's the way it is even today. You just got to reach and grab something. You just and keep going. You know, it's always going to be something that you may not have. And uh, but you can make a meal anyway. Xavier has been cooking since he was a teenager. He's learned from four generations of his family, but learning how to cook in the Oglesby household wasn't always easy. As Xavier boils macaroni and cuts vegetables, he tells me growing up had its moments of strict instruction from his great grandmother, Grandma Virginia. She cooked for the superintendents of the coal companies. And, uh, you know, as you know, back then they were domestics. And, um, that's what she did. She was known for that. I mean, this lady, she could cook, I mean, <laughs> almost in her sleep. It was amazing to me to just to see her cook. And uh, now she would sing, oh gosh, she would get in that kitchen. And everything had to be done perfectly. And she expected perfection from her great-grandson too. So she would stand there and watch me prepare a dish. She would have a wooden spoon in her hand and she'd watch me prepare this dish and I would have to do it exactly how she would do it. If I didn't do it, if I missed a step or whatever, she'd hit the back of my hand with the wooden spoon like that. Today at the church, women from Manor House Ministries talk in the next room while Xavier cooks. He says that in his family and at church, women were central to the cooking traditions he grew up with. So as a boy who was interested in cooking, he felt some resistance. Uh, eventually it was okay, but I've got, uh, like I say, I've got three other brothers and, and uh, it was going to be okay. In this family, you have to kind of uh, take your place and, you know, draw the line there. And so you just stand up and do that. And that's what I did. And then eventually um, it was easier, I guess, for the guys in the family, the older men, to accept that and uh, like that. When you look around today, you know, people make uh, a living, guys make a living at doing everything. Now, Xavier is teaching his niece, Brooklyn Oglesby, how to cook soul food and family recipes. 
That was Vanessa Pena speaking with Xavier Oglesby about cooking soul food. To hear the rest of that story and more online, visit Inside Appalachia online at wvpublic.org. This is West Virginia Morning. I'm Teresa Wills. It's 752. Mostly sunny skies today, highs in the 50s, clear overnight with lows in the 40s, and mostly sunny on Wednesday with highs in the 50s and 60s. Support for WVPB is provided by Appalachian Power, committed to our customers, communities, and state through corporate philanthropy, volunteerism, customer service, and economic development. More at AppalachianPower.com. HIV AIDS is on the rise in Monongalia County as a group of WVU medical students learned recently on a Zoom call with Dr. Anthony Fauci. Emily Rice has more. According to the CDC, 210 new HIV infections occurred in West Virginia in 2022, the most recent federal data. AIDSVU is an interactive online mapping tool that visualizes the impact of the HIV epidemic on communities across the country. According to AIDSVU, in 2021, there were 2,196 people living with HIV in West Virginia. In 2021, 149 people were newly diagnosed with HIV. Dr. Anthony Fauci and Professor Steph Schuster visited West Virginia University virtually in a conversation on the history of LGBTQ plus healthcare in the United States. The conversation was facilitated by Ellen Rodriguez, the director of WVU's LGBTQ Plus Center. While Fauci is known nationally for his work during the COVID-19 pandemic, he spent 40 years on the forefront of HIV and AIDS research and treatment. Many of us uh, across the country uh, think of HIV AIDS as a disease that is manageable and perhaps in our rearview mirror, right? Uh, but we have, unfortunately, reliable data showing that right here in Morgantown, West Virginia, the home of our university, uh, we've had and we have now a substantial uptick cases of HIV AIDS. Fauci responded that an uptick in HIV cases surprises and dismays him. The fact that you have an increase probably reflects two things. It's the lack of PrEP accessibility for those who are susceptible and a lack of accessibility to treatment for those who are already infected. Dr. Judith Feinberg is a professor of behavioral medicine and psychiatry and professor of medicine and infectious diseases and the vice chair of medicine for research at WVU. She said there has been a recent outbreak or cluster of HIV and AIDS in Morgantown. The one in Mon County, there were a couple of recent outbreaks, but the one in Mon County involves 10 men who have sex with men and they've been identified and offered care. And I believe the majority are being cared for actually at our what we 
what is uh, called the positive health clinic here. Feinberg said that with modern preventative medication accessible and information available, cases of HIV and AIDS should be falling, not rising. I believe for 2021, which is the last year we have full reporting on, it's something like 139. And it's been running about double ever since 2017. And that's really because that's the point at which HIV entered the community of people who inject drugs. Dr. Feinberg said there are two major behavioral risks associated with HIV. Injecting drugs is is really recently has overtaken men who have sex with men as the primary behavior behavioral risk for HIV. How can we do better with this? Well, first of all, we need a public we need the public to understand that this is happening. Fauci agreed with Feinberg's conclusion about the reason for an uptick in cases in West Virginia. Drug addiction, as we all know, is a disease uh, and, and not a crime. And when when you're trying to prevent someone from getting infected from injection drug use, that's a very difficult problem unless you get sterile needles a needle exchange. But for sexual transmission, we should be looking in the community about why is there the lack of the access to what we know is a highly effective prevention. That prevention is available as a pill to be taken frequently or a shot taken on a less frequent basis. That is entirely preventable. We now have pre-exposure prophylaxis that's either in an oral form with a drug that you could take every day or in association with your sexual contact, or now most recently, highly, highly effective, injectable, long-acting every couple of months pre-exposure prophylaxis, that the the efficacy of that in preventing infection, if utilized properly, is 90 plus percent, 98 percent, sometimes close to 100 percent. With preventative medication available, experts think it is a lack of public perception of HIV and AIDS as a threat that leads to an uptick in infections. But changing public perception has been really hard. And I think, as I said, I think what happened is that this entered the public knowledge and the public imagination decades ago in this more limited context of, you know, men who have sex with men. So I think, you know, education and uh, and awareness is really key. For Appalachia Health News, I'm Emily Rice in Charleston. Appalachia Health News is a project of West Virginia Public Broadcasting with support from Charleston Area Medical Center and Marshall Health. West Virginia Morning is a production of West Virginia Public Broadcasting, which is solely responsible for its content. You can keep up with the latest West Virginia news throughout the day on our website, wvpublic.org. Support for our news bureaus comes from Shepherd University. West Virginia Morning is produced with help from Bill Lynch, Brianna Heaney, Caroline McGregor, Chris Schultz, Curtis Tate, Emily Rice, Eric Douglas, Liz McCormick, and Randy Yowie. Caroline McGregor is our assistant news director, and she produced today's show. I'm your host, Teresa Wills. This is West Virginia Morning.